listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Hey, if you will, let's grab uh, a Bible and let's go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Uh, my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We are glad to have you uh, with us. Our hope is that you will go from feeling like a guest to feeling like family as soon as possible. And so uh, we've got several ways you can get connected. You can do that through a connect card uh, on the table there. Just grab it, fill out information about yourself. I'll go grab a lunch with you. Uh, we can text back and forth, email, whatever works best for you. You just let us know. Um, you can also uh, connect with us on Facebook. You can just go to facebook.com forward slash group forward slash fellowship paragord and you can find us that way and so um and there's a lot of other ways you can go to our website fellowshipparagold.com uh, we just want to try to make it as easy as we can on you to try to get connected we really are delighted to have you with us uh, this morning our hope is that you will leave um, refreshed leave encouraged leave with your heart filled with joy thinking about who god is and what he's done for you in christ and so james chapter three is where we're going to be we're going to read the whole chapter we are making our way through the book of James, a very practical book where James is just showing us on the ground level what Christianity looks like, right? He's just saying this is very practical stuff here. This is what it looks like to be a Christian, okay? So James chapter 3 is where we're going to start in verse 1. So um, again, if you have a Bible, you can look there or we'll put it on the screen for you. James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes the following. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. That'd be great to circle in your Bible. I circled it in mine. We all stumble in many ways, right? Fellowship, Paragold, we are all just a bunch of imperfect people stumbling forward together in our need for Jesus, right? Um, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perf he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, standing the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of a reptile sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his a good conduct, let him show his work and his meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you so much for giving us your word. We realize right now that even reading it, it is just as powerful as if you were standing here speaking it because it's active and it's living. But we know that it's just words on a page apart from your Holy Spirit making it alive in our hearts. And so we ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you will do that, that you will take this, that you will drive it into our hearts and transform us for your glory. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Hey, is um, anyone in here, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but has anyone in here ever said anything you wish you wouldn't have said? Um, anybody else in here like, you know, can, can relate with me like you've put your foot in your mouth on numerous occasions um, and after you spoke the words you realize that you, you should have never said them to begin with? Um, this may come as a surprise to some of you, but I'm a talker and um, with the talking territory comes at times saying things that you shouldn't say. Right, and so you just kind of just talk, right, without even thinking sometimes. And um, this has been a problem since I was young. I mean, I can remember all the way back to whenever I was probably five years old, my mom coming in one day and saying, I'm going to give you a spanking because I was disobeying. And, um, and I looked at her in anger, and I said, look, if you really want to hurt me, you just need to have Dad do it because you're too weak, right? <laughs> it's like as soon as I said that, I realized that was a problem because guess who gave me spankings the rest of my life? My father, right, even if, like, your dad was at work and I got in trouble that morning, my mom would not forget. Dad would come home, right, and he would wear me out, and it would always hurt, right? And so my mouth, again, like, got me in trouble. And this kind of has continued in some ways throughout my life, but there's one instance I can remember specifically, one of the most embarrassing moments of my life where my tongue, again, got me in trouble. And uh, it was when I was 21 years old. I had just started dating uh, Megan, who is now my wife, for those of you that don't know, and um, her dad wanted to get to know me, and I needed to get to know her dad. And so we thought, what better way to do this than to get in the car and to head to a St. Louis Cardinals game, right? Because when you're in a car, there's nothing you can do but talk, unless you're Kevin Hawley, right? Now, for those of you that don't know my father-in-law, think of Jack Burns off Meet the Parents, okay? <laughs> like, and some would say I'm like Greg Falker, okay, off Meet the Parents. And so... Um, just to kind of set the context for you, like we are riding in the car, it's complete silence because my father-in-law is a man who wastes very few words. And those of you that have met him, you're like, yep, I mean, he is just kind of business as usual. He's an administrator at St. Bernard's Hospital. I mean, he's just kind of very much just Kevin Hawley. I mean, that's just who he is, right? And so we're in the car. I'm trying to get conversation going. But like every time I try to speak, it's like my words are just hitting the windshield and falling. And it's like, man, I can't get anything to stick here. So it's like, what do I need to do? It's like, all right, I don't know what I'll do. I'll just talk to him about something that interests him. Okay, now, at the time, my father-in-law had, I think, about eight or nine cows at his house. So it's like, I'll talk about cattle. Now, Megan told me this past week that she told me not to talk about cattle. <laughs> but I don't remember that. She's like, Jared, you're going to do something stupid if you start trying to like, throw around like, ta- like farm terms and all that. But I don't remember that. But anyways... Um, so I don't know anything about cows, which you're going to see in just a moment. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to talk about cattle. So I look at him, and true story, I'm 21 years old. I've grown up in the city, and, and, and this, is a, this was a serious question. I did not know the answer to it. 21-year-old dude in college. I look at him, and I said, Kevin, you know, I've always wondered, what is the uh, visible difference? Is there a visible difference between a cow and a bull? <laughs> and, um, and, 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 for those of you who are laughing, you know the difference is a bull is apparently a male and a cow is a female, right? And so he looks at me like I'm an idiot. Like, what kind of moron are you? And I'm like, is it the horns, Kevin? Is that like, is that, is that what you, is that how you can tell it's a, it's, a, it's a bull? And of course, he went on to tell me, this is the way you can tell, right? And, and, and it was incredibly, incredibly embarrassing. And to this day, I'm telling you, 
he questions my manhood. Um, <laughs> he will be cooking and, and, you know, grilling out, and I'll go, and I'll be like, Kevin, you want me to man the grill so you can go do something else? And he'll be like, you know how to run a grill? And I'm like, Kevin, is this about the bull? Like, because... <laughs> Because that was 11 years ago, man. Like, let it go, right? Like, that's a silly example, but what I want you to think about this morning is our words are powerful, right? They kind of stay with us. Our words can not only make or break a reputation, but the Bible would say our words can make or break a person. In fact, in Proverbs 12, it says our words have the power to heal and they have the power to wound. And that is why James has already told us in James chapter 1, verse 19, that we should be a people who are quick to listen and slow to speak. The problem is in our culture, we've kind of flipped that, haven't we? In fact, I was reading something this past week that said the average person spends a fifth of their life talking. That's a lot of words. If all of our words are put into print, a single day's words would fill a 50-page book. In a year's time, that means the average person's words would fill 132 books of 200 pages. Now, some of you in here are introverts, and you're like, well, that's not me. Okay? But yet there are others of us in here that our words could build a library, right? And, and let me just say this. Maybe you don't verbally, right? Like you, you're, you don't talk a lot, like out loud, but I would throw texting in here. I would throw posting in here, tweeting in here, right? I feel like we are constantly, always, in one way, shape, or form, trying to communicate, trying to talk. And what James wants us to see in James chapter 3 is this. Because our words carry so much power, we need to stop and think about what's coming out of our mouth. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus, who is James' older brother, says, I tell you, On the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Have you ever thought about that? That that one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for every careless tweet, every careless post, every careless message, every careless word that has come out of our mouth. We're going to give an account to God for this. And and that is why James, he starts in verse 1 and he says this. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that when you teach, you'll be judged with greater strictness. This is such a sobering verse. Some of us are so quick to want to teach, right, to want to be truth bearers. And what what James is saying here is if you're a preacher, you're you're a teacher, if you're someone who stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, or this is the truth, you need to realize you're going to actually be judged with a greater strictness than anybody else, right? Why? Because what James wants us to see is our words are powerful. In Proverbs 18, 21, listen to what the Bible says. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. That means that with our tongue, with our words, we can plant a garden and we can dig a grave. With our words, we can bring about life and we can bring about death. Right? Our tongue, though very small, is very, very powerful. And that is why James goes on to give us the three metaphors that he does. If you look in verse 3, he starts and he says, The tongue is like a bit that you put into the mouth of a horse so that it will obey us and we can guide their whole bodies. Now, I know very little about horses, probably less than I do about cows, but fortunately, uh, we have a lady in the church who does know a lot about horses, and so she gave me this to, to use as an illustration. Okay, um, Janelle, are you in here? Yeah, Janelle. Okay, there you are. Janelle, can you stand up for a second? All right. 
This is Janelle, everybody. Everybody look awkwardly at Janelle. All right. Thank you, Janelle. You can be seated. Janelle weighs 120 pounds, okay? And I actually asked her if I can share that, and she said, I actually don't care a bit, pun intended. She's very clever, isn't she? True story. And so uh, Janelle let me borrow this bit, okay? And um, she taught me uh, this morning how it works. It goes in the, the horse's mouth like this, correct? Yeah, like this, and this okay? And so um, you put this in the horse's mouth, and here's the thing. Though Janelle is only 120 pounds, with this in the horse's mouth, she can literally turn the horse and get it to go whichever direction she wants it to go, despite the fact the horse, right, is 1,200 to 1,500 pounds, so a little bitty bit, what James is saying, can move a horse any way it wants to go. And he says the tongue is the same way. Somebody please remind me to wash my hands before communion today. <laughs> Thank you, Janelle, for, uh, for letting us use that. Okay, so he says in verse 3 that the tongue is like a bit. He goes on in verse 4, and what else does he compare the tongue to? He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large, they are driven by strong winds, and they are guided, look, he says, by a very small Rudder. So again, he says the tongue is like a rudder on a boat. Now, I didn't bring a rudder in here, but I did bring a graphic that I think will illustrate what we need to see here. Is these are some of the largest ships that were ever built. Um, that actually, that 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 boat at the top is actually also called the Sea Wise Giant, um, and um, it was like almost 1,600 feet long. Okay, so these are really, really long, really heavy boats. What I want you to notice is on the left side of each one of these boats, underneath it is a little bitty rudder that moves the entire ship, the entire boat, whichever direction the pilot wants it to go. And again, James says that's the way the tongue is. He goes on in verse 5, and he gives us another illustration for the tongue. He says the tongue is also, at the end of verse 5, like a small fire, or your translation might say a small spark, that can set a whole forest ablaze. Um, I remember whenever I was in sixth grade, I had a, a cousin who was in Boy Scouts, and we were at my grandma's house one day, and he came up to me, and he said, hey, man, in Boy Scouts, I just learned out how to put a fire out with my bare foot. And I was like, really? That's interesting. He's like, yeah, I'll show you. So we stole some, uh, some matches out of my grandma's cabinet, and we go to a field behind her house, and he lights a match. He throws it down on the ground, and everything was going well until a gust of wind comes, and it literally moved the fire uh, over the whole field. I mean, the entire thing was engulfed in what seems like just a matter of minutes. And so I take off running inside my uh, grandma's house, and I'm like, the field's on fire, the field's on fire. They don't believe me, but my cousin, who's trying to be Almighty Boy Scout, comes in with his hair singed off, his eyebrows gone, everything, and they're like, he's just shaking. They're like, oh, it is on fire. It's so like they call the fire department. The fire department comes out. The police comes out. My brother is here. He can vouch for this. Um, they come, and I literally, by the way, I got a spanking that day, not for setting a field on fire, but for crying about setting the field on fire. <laughs> Just dawned on me. <laughs> Anyways, it, um, it's like houses are about to catch on fire. I'm, I'm like, oh, my dad's like, stop crying. I'm like, that doesn't help. <laughs> and so it was a very traumatic experience, and it all started with just a flame. Just, just a spark. And James says, again, that's the way the tongue is. Do you see what his point is? The point is the tongue, though incredibly small, is incredibly powerful. It, it carries, our words carry tons of weight. With your tongue, what James is saying, you have the ability to consume and stir the course of one's entire life. And don't we know this is true? I, I mean, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you in here, I mean, honestly, 
your self-image has been shaped by the words of others. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too ugly. I don't like your hair color. But I mean, even to this day, right, the, the way you perceive yourself has been shaped by the words of someone else. I mean, how many of you in here, right, uh, you've been impacted by the words of a coach or a teacher or a parent or a friend who maybe said something to you years ago, and it's still, still impacting your life? Uh, some of you, you've heard me tell the story about um, my Tommy Hilfiger experience, right? Some of you haven't because you're new, so let me just fill you in. When I was in middle school, if you wore Tommy Hilfiger, guess what? You were popular. Didn't matter what else was true about you or not true about you, right? You had Tommy Hilfiger down your jeans, right, or a hat or a shirt that said Tommy Hill, like you were going to be popular. Problem is, my dad worked in a factory and pastored a small country church. My mom worked in the school district, okay? So we didn't have tons of money for name brand stuff. But one day, we're heading home from a church service, and we see a guy on the side of the road selling Tommy Hilfiger shirts for $5 a piece. All right, now, you would think that that would have registered that this is probably not really Tommy Hilfiger. But we were so excited, so caught up in the moment. My mom gets us out of the van. We all buy Tommy Hilfiger shirts, okay? Next day, I throw my Tommy Hill shirt. I'm like, okay, this is going to be the day. I'll be plucked into the social line in, uh, uh, right, in school. But the problem is, guess what? After first period, somebody realizes it's a fake Tommy Hilfiger shirt. They actually pull out my tag. It says bell tone on it. Right? And, and this guy and about five or six of the people begin to laugh at my expense. Okay? Now, as a middle schooler, that was a huge deal, as you could imagine. Right? But 22 years later, I feel like that's had no lasting effect on me until recently. Now listen, my wife and I, believe it or not, argue sometimes. Okay? I know, pastors should not argue with their wives, and sometimes I do. I'm a sinner, right? And so I'm trying to grow... And, and so um, we argue, and one of the things that we have argued over since we have um, had kids is what we put the kids in as far as clothes, okay? And, and so, for example, there will be times where Megan will dress the kids, and they'll come out, and I'll be like, they can't wear that. She'll be like, what are you talking about? This is nice stuff. I'm like, no, no, that shirt's wrinkled, or no, it's faded, or that's old, or too baggy, or whatever else. And she'll be like, Jared, they're two and three. Like, they don't care. And I was like, yeah, but I care. And here's what I've noticed, is, is there are times where I would even get angry. Now, I didn't hit my wife, right? I didn't yell at her, like that kind of angry, but I would get angry about this situation. And, and we begin to think about it, like, why is it that I get so bent out of shape over what my kids wear, and why did I get mad at her when she doesn't put them in the clothes I think is nice enough? And what I've realized is, honestly, I feel like when she puts them in clothes that are not very nice, she doesn't care about them like I do, because I want them to wear nice clothes so they don't get made fun of like I did back in the day. Words are powerful. They're able to cause conflict in my marriage 22 years after the fact. Something silly that happened in middle school. And again, this is what James is getting at here. Some of us, we've heard the nursery rhyme, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what's, what's, right? But words will never hurt me. Yeah, whoever wrote that's deaf, <laughs> Right? The reality is our words can go into places that sticks and stones can never go and therefore can cut us much deeper than anything else, right? Therefore, what James is saying, we need to be careful how we speak, guys. Parents, be careful what you say to your kids. 
Be careful what you say to your spouse. Be careful what you say to those in your missional community or your fight club. Be careful on Sunday morning as we're just kind of brushing by somebody, those little jabs that we make sometimes, just because it's funny. Right? Be careful how you use your tongue. Be careful how you talk to people at work or on Facebook. Right? Our words have a huge impact. A- and why is that? Why do our words carry so much weight? Listen, here's what James is going to go on to say in verse 11 and 12. The reason our words are so powerful, the reason they can make or break someone is because, listen, in the end, you know what our words reveal? Our words reveal what we really think about that person in our heart. That's why it's so powerful. If you look in verse 11, look what James says. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What is James talking about here? He's saying, look, the reason that your tongue can bring forth life and death, the reason it's like a bit, a rudder, and a spark, the reason, though it is so small, it's still so powerful, is not simply because your tongue can make a sound, but it's because when we speak, it's our heart's way of saying to another soul, this is what I really think about you. This is what I really believe about you. Our words are windows into our heart. Our word reveals what we really believe about God and about those around us. And again, this isn't James just like shooting from the cuff here. Like he's just taken this from Jesus. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 verse 45, from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Would you just stop and think about that verse for a second? Everybody, would you just, just think about it? From out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What Jesus is saying is, do you want to know what someone really believes in their heart? You want to know what what they are consumed with? Listen to them talk, give them time, and their words will reveal that. So for example, if a person is insecure, if a person fears the opinions of others, they're going to lie. They're going to lie to impress you, or they're going to lie to protect themselves, right? Or maybe they'll cut others down in order to make themselves feel better about their own insecurities. James gives the example in in verse 14, I believe it is, at the end of this chapter where he says, if there's bitter jealousy or selfish ambition in your heart, you're going to boast with your tongue. You're going to be a self-promoter. Right? You're going to be the, the, the one-upper guy or girl. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you go up to them and you're like, hey, I'm thinking about playing tennis. And they're like, oh, that's amazing. I play tennis in college for Stanford. But good for you. Right? Or it's like, hey, I just killed my first deer with a gun yesterday. Oh, that's amazing. I've killed five with a bow just last weekend and two with my bare hands. But that's good for you that you were able to kill one with a gun. I mean, it's not that hard, but I mean, it's really, you should be proud of yourself. Right? What's that all about? What is boasting? What is self-promoting? What is that all about? From out of the heart, Jesus says, the mouth speaks. When you promote yourself, when you tear others down, when you gossip, when you lie, you need to realize every ounce of that is flowing out of your heart. You ever said something to your spouse and be like, I didn't mean it? Yes, you did. You just weren't able to hide it, and you weren't able to filter it. It's in there, and it came out. This is what Jesus is saying. This is why words are a big deal to others. It's why it's a big deal to God, because listen to me. Our words reveal what we worship. 
our words reveal what matters the most to us. If you love your sports team more than you love Jesus, you will talk about your sports team more than Jesus. Straight up. If you care about others more than you care about yourself, you will talk about yourself more than you talk about others and ask questions to them and try to get to know who they are. If you're more passionate about the creation over the creator, if you trust in the things of the world more than you trust in God, your words are going to show that. So here's my question this morning, guys. What does your heart or what does your word say about who you really are? By the words you speak, what does it reveal about what is really going on inside of your heart? Maybe some of you in here, you tend to blow up on your family. Maybe you shoot hateful text messages to others. You gossip. You only talk about the lineup of your favorite sports team and the next trade that's been made. Maybe you gossip, you cut others down, you poke fun of them, you conceal the truth in order to protect yourself or make yourself look better than you really are. You talk more than you listen. For some of you, maybe today the Spirit is using this to convict you and to, and, and to help you realize, man, there are some deep sin issues in your heart. And what James is wanting you to think about is, look, if this sin is left unchecked and unabated, guys, this is why this is serious. If you leave it unintended to, that sin will eventually lead to death and destruction in one way, shape, or form in your life or the lives of others. So this is a huge deal. And so the question is, is then if, if our words have been bringing about death, if our words have been revealing sin issues in our heart, then what do we do about it? What's the remedy? Right? Where do we find healing? And fortunately, James, I think, gives us the answer in verse 6. He says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body and set it on fire the entire course of life. And look at this. And is set on fire by hell itself. Hmm. Now, when I first read that, I thought, is this just preacher talk? You know I'm talking about? Like, how preachers sometimes, uh, I don't know if it exaggerates the word. Well, yeah, it probably exaggerates the word. Um, how they, you know, they're just trying to, like, make a word, trying to make something seem heavier than it really is. Like, is that what, is that what James is doing here by saying that your tongue is set on fire by hell itself? I don't think that's what he's doing. I think James knows something here. I think that he knows that there are two types of fire that can set our tongue ablaze. There's the fire that he's talking about here that is from hell that brings about destruction, and then there's another fire. Listen, there's another fire that James would have been aware of, and it was the fire that was experienced at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And what happened at Pentecost? People received the Holy Spirit, their tongues were healed in such a way that they began to speak in a language that everyone could understand for the purpose of helping others find true life, satisfaction, and joy in Jesus Christ. Okay, now, now think, stay with me, okay? Think about this. On the day of Pentecost, what happened? Because the hearts of the people were filled with the gospel. Because the people saw the beauty of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, their eyes were open to who God is and what they had done for them or what he had done for them through Christ. Because the love of God consumed their hearts. What happened? From out of the heart, the mouth spoke. And the words that they spoke were not words that brought condemnation, but freedom. 
They were not words that brought about wounds, but it brought about healing. It didn't bring about death, but it brought about life. And you see, you have to get that today because this is the source of our healing. If you're here and you're using your tongue to criticize people or to cut them down or to gossip, you don't need a new tongue, you need a new heart. You don't need to try harder, to be better. You need the gospel to be explosively alive inside of you. You need to stop playing a game and saying, okay, I went and heard the sermon, now let's go to Chili's. Next, you need to receive this. You need to begin to believe. You need to begin to believe that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, do you know what he did? He went to the cross to absorb the wrath of God reserved for our sin, and in agony, he called out to his Father, who he had been in a perfect relationship with from eternity past. And you know what he received back from his father when he called out to him? Silence. And you know what the gospel tells us? Is the reason that happened is because when Jesus went to the cross, he said, I'm going to take the silence that you deserve from God so that you can receive the word that I deserve from God. I'm going to go and receive your solitary confinement. You deserve to be separated from God for the rest of your life. I'm going to go receive that for you on the cross so that you can hear this word that I deserve. And what is the word that Jesus deserves? You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The beautiful thing about the gospel is when you trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus on your behalf, you know what happens? You receive the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8 and Galatians 4 tells us it's the same Spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. When you receive the Spirit, you begin to believe that because of what Christ has done for you, guess what? No matter what anybody else says about you, you know what God says about you? I love you perfectly, completely, and unconditionally. And there is nothing you can do to make me love you more or make me love you less. Because when I look at you, I love you with the same love that I love my own son, Jesus. I am well pleased with you. And even greater than that, Zephaniah, I think it's 3.17, says that when God sees you, he doesn't just speak that word over you. You know what else he does? He rejoices over you with singing. (laughs) You believe that? I promise you, it's not going to matter what anybody else says about you. Or doesn't say about you. This gospel fills your heart. Listen, guys, I promise you, listen, this is freeing. When the gospel fills your heart, you're not going to need approval. You're not going to demand respect. You're not going to need a reputation. You're not going to have to promote yourself or cut others down or lie. When someone hurts you, you're not going to have to hurt them back. When someone compliments someone else, you don't have to try to undermine that. Oh, she's such a good mother. Yeah, if you like helicopter mothers. Kids are going to be so dependent on her when they grow up. I mean, but yeah, she's great. You have to do that. Because, listen, when you really believe the gospel, rather than being consumed with self, you know what you're consumed with? Jesus. And you will love others the way he has loved you. And rather than your words bringing about death and destruction, it will bring about life and joy. Can you imagine a community like this? There's a, a friend of mine who's a pastor in central Arkansas. He's got a bigger church than me. He's got, by, by 
all the world standards, he's more influential than me, he's more successful than me. And, and I spoke at an event in Little Rock earlier this year, and he came to hear me speak. And um, after it was over, he came up to me, and he was like, man, that was so great. Man, Fellowship Paragold's awesome. Man, I got so much to learn from you. I love you. This is awesome. And, and every time I'm around him, it's that kind of thing, right? He's always, always building up, always encouraging. And I begin to think, you know, if I was him, I might have been tempted to sit there and think, I should be on that stage, not him. I got a bigger church than he does. I'm more successful than he is. And that's not at all what goes through my brother's mind. You know why? Because his identity is rooted in Christ. Because he believes the gospel. And when you believe the gospel, you know what you can do? You can rejoice in others. You can focus on them. You can serve them. And you can use your words to encourage them and bring them life. I know I'm not there all the time. I want to be, but I'm not. Even a couple weeks ago, I had to call and apologize to a brother that I'd hurt with some careless words that I spoke. But man, I, I want to be there. Don't you want to be there? I mean, don't you want to be known as a person who uses your words to build people up and bring life? And listen, this message, by the way, this is a caveat. It's not saying we shouldn't speak hard truths to people. Okay, this is not talking about people pleasing, just always saying what they want to hear. Some of you, what you need to hear today is, is that's what you do with your tongue. You just try to people please, and you need to start using your tongue to speak the truth when you see a brother or sister in sin to try to help save them from later destruction. Right? So this isn't about not speaking hard truths, but even when we do that, it's wrapped in love, and it's more about making sure they're experiencing the life that God has called them to. So where are you today? What about you? Are, are your words revealing that there's sin in your heart right now. I want to encourage you. We do a lot of talking, but in the next few moments before our service ends, do some listening. Take an inventory of what comes out of your mouth and what you talk about. Guys, let's not play a game. Let's identify what is going on inside of us, and then listen, here's the great news of the gospel. You don't have to sit back in shame. You don't have to sit back in guilt. You don't have to work harder you know, to try to be better. You know what you do whenever you discover there's sin inside of you? You take it to Jesus, the one who endured silence for you so that you can receive the word that you are dearly beloved and accepted before God no matter who you are or what you've done because of what Christ has done for you. Then and only then will you find healing for your heart and as a result also for your words. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to sit under the teaching of your word. And I pray that through your spirit that you'll take, if I said anything that is not from you, that you will uh, remove that from our memory. If there's any area that I push too hard, I pray that you'll soften that. If there's any areas where I didn't push hard enough, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you'll push harder. I pray that through the power of your spirit that you will help us not to be just a legalistic people who think that we've done you a favor by being here this morning and by just doing things outwardly, but help us to see that what matters most is what's going on in our hearts. And we, we can't even know our hearts. Our hearts are deceitful, so would you please, with the power of your Spirit, reveal the truth of what's going on inside of us. Help us to believe more and more that you are who you say you are, and you've done everything that you said you've done for us through Christ. He is where our hope is, and he's all that we have, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.